it's amazing how casually we give out our phone numbers and how we really should protect them because they are used in this manner all the time. Introducing the Protectors, inside criminal minds from around the world. Presented by the IAFCI, leaders in safeguarding consumers from fraud and scams for more than 50 years. And now your hosts, International President Mark Solomon and Chairman of the Board Michael Carroll. Hello, hello, hello. This is Mike Carroll, Chairman of the International Association of Financial Crimes Investigators. I am with Mark Solomon, our international president. How are you doing, Mark? Mr. Carroll, doing great. Glad to be back for another podcast, and this one is actually cutting edge. Uh, I'm excited about today's podcast. you want to go ahead right away and introduce our guest? Let's get right into it. So our next guest has a passion for assisting victims and has served as deputy district attorney in Santa Clara County, California, for nearly 25 years. She has worked for the past eight years with the REACT High Tech Task Force, nationally known for its arrests and prosecutions of SIM swapping and recovery of cryptocurrency to victims of pig butchering scams. Ms. West leads the Crypto Coalition, a group of nearly 1,000 local, state, and federal and international law enforcement agents who specialize in cryptocurrency investigations. Mike and I are honored to have with us today Deputy District Attorney Aaron West. Hi, you guys. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming on, Aaron. We really appreciate it. You know, a lot of our members have been asking about a topic here called pig butchering. But before we get to that, can we ask you how you got started in crypto cases? Sure. Um, I've been a prosecutor for quite a while in Santa Clara County. I've spent a lot of time doing um, victim intense type of work. I worked on sexual assault for nearly nine years. But for the past eight, I've been really focused on high tech work. And about five years ago, we were brought one of the nation's first SIM swapping cases. And that is, that's a hacking technique that young hackers were using to take over accounts. And what they were really after when they were taking over accounts was the cryptocurrency. And that was the first time that the high tech team that I work with in Santa Clara County had seen cryptocurrency. And so we had to get up to speed right away with, with what this was and how we could work with it. Aaron, can I just go back a little for our listeners? Can you tell us a little more about what is SIM swapping? Yeah, SIM swapping is um, it's a technique where the bad guys are generally a bunch of um, younger men who would take over the traffic coming to your phone. So imagine they're not taking over what's on your phone. They're just taking over the calls and the text that are coming to you, and they're having those calls and texts come to the device that they're holding. So what happens is if you're a victim and you've gone to sleep, the hackers have gotten the telco to move the traffic over to their phone. You don't realize anything because you are asleep, but suddenly you have no service on your phone. So let's say Mark and I are working on this, and I tell Mark that the service is now coming to my phone. Mark then puts your name or whatever we know to be your social media, that's probably your Gmail, in and does forgot password. And when most of people were having um, the two-factor authentication come to their phone. So then Mark will get issued a, uh, a code. He'll give me the code. I'll type in the code. And now I've got control of your Gmail account. 
from there, I'm going to go meticulously through your Gmail and I'm going to figure out where you're keeping your cryptocurrency. And then I'm going to do the same technique with your cryptocurrency account. I'm going to forgot password. I'm going to get the code sent to the device I'm holding. I'm going to change the password and lock you out. And then I'm going to steal your cryptocurrency and I'm going to move it to my account. And you're going to wake up in the morning with no cell service, with no access to your Dropbox, to your social media, to your email, but worst of all, to your crypto accounts, and you will have lost a million dollars. And Aaron, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is a case that was highlighted at the IFCI International Conference last year, I believe. Uh, it sure this was. was a group of young young hackers, right? I remember the story about them, and uh, and uh, we actually, yes. uh, I, I know they did a search warrant in Connecticut here uh, on a house of a juvenile that was involved, I believe. You certainly did. Yes, you did. So, All um, right. My, my memory is still good. <laughs> yes, my memory is still good. And, you know, you've highlighted one of the problems that we have as investigators with SIM swapping is that oftentimes our suspects are juveniles, and that makes it more difficult for us to really get the enforcement that we'd like to see on some of these cases. Yeah, you're right. You're right. No, I was just going to mention, on my end, you know, being with the Postal Inspection Service back as an analyst, we see that a lot, SIM swapping, you know, because you need to activate the credit card. So getting a hold of the customer's phone number helps them uh, activate the stolen credit card. Yeah, it's amazing how, how casually we give out our phone numbers and how we really should protect them because they are used in this manner all the time. And, you know, Aaron, we could talk about uh, SIM swapping for probably two hours. Uh, it's a fascinating <laughs> topic, but we're going to switch gears and bring it over to pig butchering. And I know some people hear that term and are like, what is that? What's that have to do with fraud? Can you tell us a little bit about what the pig butchering scam is? Yeah, that's exactly that was exactly my reaction when I first heard of it a year ago when one of my agents told me that's what he was working on. But Pig butchering is actually a translation of the Chinese term shazu pan, which loosely translates as pig butchering. It's a scam which originated in China and is now taking place mostly in Southeastern Asia, but it is spreading. And I'm here to tell you it is one of the worst, most damaging crimes I've seen in my 25 years. What's happening is that we've got victims in the United States who are meeting people online, who are meeting people who either they've received a, a um, what appears to be a wrong number text, or somebody is reaching out to them on LinkedIn or one of the dating apps or on Instagram, and they begin a friendship with these victims, a friendship or a romantic relationship, generally a romantic relationship. And over like a 30-day period of grooming and talking to these victims every day for multiple times a day and showing off a, the scammer shows off a, a lifestyle of prestige and elegance and sophistication, shows that they have wealth. And ultimately what they do is they tell our victims, well, you know how I was able to achieve this? I was able to achieve this because I invest in cryptocurrency. And I didn't know how either, but my uncle taught me and my uncle could teach you. So now our victims are in a situation where they have fallen in love with this person. So they have all of those endorphins going. And now there's an opportunity for a get rich quick scheme. 
And so they often um, will. So Aaron, so there's, there's a romantic angle, but also a financial, is it like investment or opportunity? So it's a kind of a double whammy, you know, we're used to hearing romance scams or investment scams, but this is a combination of both. It is. And honestly, it's like the tsunami of scams because what they're using is they're using this romance situation and then they're showing that you can get rich. So you've got the double, you know, energy of of romance plus get rich quick. What they're doing is they're showing these victims fake websites that look like investment platforms and they're showing them these incredible results, these incredible gains. And so our victims are then taking more and more money and putting it in. And these scammers are leading them by the nose and having them liquidate all of their investment accounts, their retirement accounts, their children's college accounts. And before they know it, every last penny they mm. have has been invested. Wow. Well, we just saw today in the New York Post an article where a lady lost over 100000 related to this scam along with uh, the romance scam. Mm. I'm so glad that the New York Post did this because it needs to get to the regular person. I think there's been a lot of like tech people talking about this, but not as much like we need our aunts to read this and our cousins and our moms and our people at the soccer field. They're the ones who need to know about this. This is happening in mass. And I'm here to tell you the numbers, the amount is nothing I've ever seen before. It's millions and millions of dollars lost by individuals. Well, I know it's related to the romance scam, but is it also kind of like a Ponzi scheme where, say you invest $1,000, do they throw you a few dollars at the beginning to entice you to invest more, you know, to get a quick payback, like they're really making money right off the bat? Right, right. That's exactly right. They do. They'll let you withdraw a little bit at first, but the whole key to this thing is they're showing you, they've already stolen your money and your money's long gone but they're showing you these fake results that make you think that your money's doubling, even tripling, and you believe it. It all looks very real, and they let you withdraw a little bit so you can even believe, like, oh, I I do have access to my money. This is a real thing. Oh, there's a customer service line. This must be a real thing, when in fact it's completely fictitious, and it's being run by a, a boiler room scam situation. And I think that's, that's the other piece of this. Go ahead. Yeah, Aaron, you you mentioned uh, China, uh, I believe, uh, is one of the countries uh, that this is emanating from. And you you talk about these boiler rooms and, you know, I've read a number of articles and and heard speakers talk about that there's usually an element of human trafficking involved in this, right? That's exactly right. So just as these scammers are masterful at getting victims to invest, they're masterful at drawing in the human the human workforce by making them believe that they're going to go have a cushy room and board situation and work in human resources or graphic design. So the victims fly to Bangkok to earn money and to have a situation like this. When they get there, their passports are taken. They're put in buses and they're sent to primarily Cambodia and Myanmar is where this is happening. And they are in locked facilities and forced to do this work under threat of severe punishment. Yeah, I just um, I saw FBI pull out a bulletin four weeks ago, uh, warning of these fake jobs and uh, you know notifying tourists uh, that they could be placed into these uh, really kidnapped. I mean, in a sense, you know, um, you know, you're right on the money with that. 
So you have victims of financial fraud, but then you also, on the other end of the, the fraud, you have people that are probably being forced into this activity. I was just going to say, it's like nothing we've ever seen before, where we've got victims taking advantage of victims, and the only winner here is Chinese organized crime, and they're winning in the tune of billions and billions of dollars. Wow. Scary. Aaron, you know, I wanted to ask you, people that get caught up in this are also involved in romance scams. Romance scams seems to be more maybe towards the elderly, but I'm just thinking, is this scam for all ages? Because I was going to uh, mention to you, my son got a text. He's 29, and it mm-hmm. said, uh, hi, Nancy, great seeing you yesterday. And then uh, he replied, sorry, you have the wrong person. And then the reply was, you seem so nice. Uh, yes. What's your name? You know, and uh, he... <laughs> Luckily, I told him about this scam about a month ago, so he didn't fall for it. But uh, is this scam for all ages? It definitely is. And I think that's the problem is that, you know, sometimes when we know who to educate, we can do a better job at educating that population about that scam. But what we're seeing is we're seeing victims your son's age. We're seeing, you know, 50-year-old divorcees and single moms. We're seeing 70-year-old men whose wife has passed. They run the gamut. And in fact, one of our first cases was a single male software engineer in his 30s. Um, they will take all comers. They will take everyone's money. They have, yeah, they're, they're not targeting any one segment of the population. And Aaron, you talked about some of the places that they're uh, making contact. So SMS texting, but uh, is this going on on uh, dating websites? Is it going on uh, social media? You know, can you find this out in Facebook, you know, LinkedIn, other areas? You sure can. Um, I always say that there are four main locations where this is happening. You've got the fake wrong number text like your son received. You've got uh, people showing up on Facebook. You've got LinkedIn, and you've got the dating site. And, you know, I've heard first-person stories about each one of these, and it's really difficult to see how we can make a difference in terms of getting social media to work with us to really eliminate these predators from their platform. I know that they're making efforts, but I, I just think that if we could really limit the availability, limit the on-ramp for these scammers to reach citizens, we'd be in a much better place. I think that's one way of attacking this thing. You know, they say if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. And this is uh, one of those scams that uh, you definitely need to be aware of. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's interesting that what I'm seeing is one of the things we always wonder when we hear about scams is we wonder, like, how many people are actually reporting it? So we know that IC3, the FBI's online crime dropped their numbers in March, and they said that $3.3 billion was lost in this. And we know that AARP will say that only one in 40 really reports this stuff. But even if it's even one in 10, and the number is $33 billion, when you think of what that really means, we're talking household by household through the United States. We are depleting an entire generation's worth of wealth and handing it over to organized crime in Southeast Asia for whatever nefarious purpose they're going to put it to. And it's just, I think that the dangerous of this scam cannot really be understated. It's so much money and so many people. So Erin, I got to ask you, what can we do to help combat pig butchering? What's the answer out there? 
Yeah, thank you for asking. So the team I work with, React, they are a great group of investigators. And you said you're familiar with their sim swapping work because they, they are. They're cutting edge on this. And so when we first heard about pig butchering, we thought, well, what can we do? You know, are we really going to be able to make any arrests? in Southeast Asia. And we decided, no, not likely. But what we could do is we could work on tracing the cryptocurrency and getting money back to victims. So that's what we worked on. But as we were working on that, I also started thinking globally about what can be done to, if if you can't go and, and arrest kingpins, what can you do? And I think that your organization is really in a perfect position to be a super helper in this because What we need to do is we need to bring groups of people together that care about the security of finances and the security of of victims and get them working together. And that's what your organization does great, is you've got investigators, you know, not just law enforcement, but but from everywhere. And, And the idea is here that we need banking to be involved. We need the exchanges to be involved. We need telco to be involved social media to be involved. Everybody has a piece of this. Yeah, Aaron, you make a great point here is like, you know, getting this word out. I mean, that is the probably the best way for a victim or a potential victim from being victimized. And, you know, I, I think about we have national news, we have uh, social media, you know, everywhere we turn, we're hearing about news, but we need to hear about these scams. The public needs to know about them. There's a study out there that if somebody's given a little education about a fraud, they're like 40% less likely to fall for it. You know, so I, I'm glad you brought that up. And, you know, the IFCI and the work that you're doing with the IFCI is is making, you know, it known and it, we're getting it out there. But we need everybody. We need the news. We need social media. We need the government to, to get yep. this out there. And, uh, you know, I'm on board with you, Aaron. <laughs> I think it's a great idea. Yeah. To me, I, so I, I named it Operation Shamrock because I felt like it needed a name. And it's a three-part process that I thought of, that, which is educate, seize, disrupt. And education, that's something that we can all do, that we can all take a piece of it. You know, while we are at the baseball game, um, we can mention it to the people we're sitting with. While we are talking to friends over dinner, we can talk about these things. Getting this news out to people that could fall for it is super important. And then seizing it, and that's getting the financial stakeholders together to figure out how we can stop the movement of this money. And then disrupt, there are a million ways we can put some friction on what's happening over there. And how can we make it less easy for this syndicate to operate in this way? And and we can take down websites. We can uh, we can get them off social media platforms. We can monkey with their electricity and their access to internet. There are a million things that we could do if we put our mind to it. And I really think that it just needs some national organization to get some stuff done. Yeah, Aaron. You know, I've always said on all these scams, educate. You know, we got to educate the public. But one other thing, for somebody that gets an email or a message regarding this type of scams. It's always great to talk to somebody before you do anything, the next move you make, you know, because that person might have been educated and know, well, wait a minute, no, 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 you met, you're talking to somebody via a text? No, there's a scam out there called pig butchering. Don't fall for it, you know? That's what I mean, just educating the public just so that you're that person knows in case yeah. somebody asks them about it. You're absolutely right, and that also 
means like, you know, checking in on our people. Like people will start acting differently if they are involved in this scam. They'll hide their phone. They will be selective about what they let you see that what they're up to. They will be making movements that don't seem like themselves. And so once we do know about this, we have an obligation to check on our people to make sure that they aren't falling for something like this. Because what I am seeing is that people you would not expect to fall for this are falling for this. I talk to highly educated people all day. I talk to people who work in the financial industry, who work in psychology, who are lawyers, who all think that they should have known better. And the fact is, they are up against a highly manipulative, psychologically designed scam. And even the best are falling for this. Aaron, I I was reading articles, too, where these organizers of these rings, they give the uh, people making the calls or the text messages or emails, they they have a playbook. I mean, they they give them specific instructions on how to connect with that person, how to bring in the the, uh, investments uh, scam into it, and then they're building these websites that look legitimate. I mean, you're, you're right. This is hugely sophisticated. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. And I think that that really struck me the first time I heard it, this playbook idea. And for someone like, you know, a 29-year-old man, there are certain things that they would show him and that they would talk to him about versus how they might treat a 40-year-old woman, that their playbook really is smartly designed to engage with whoever their scam victim is. It's completely sophisticated. And I think we need to know our enemy here. I mean, we're up against someone who's really thought this out in a really organized way and who has been operating this for over two years completely unimpeded. You almost have to give credit to how successful this business operation is that they've created. It's really horrendously terrible. So, Aaron, what would you consider like an early warning sign related to this scam? I think I would tell people that they need to be cautious anytime someone they do not know is reaching out to them electronically. And, you know, these, these messages, these wrong number texts, they're meant to catch people off guard. One of our favorite ones at React, my task force, is when you get the one that says, Dr. David, my dog is not eating his dog food. Can I bring him in? Because everybody cares about an animal, right? Like, of course, you're going to respond to that. They are designed to pull at heartstrings. So anytime someone you don't know is showing up electronically, you need to be wary. And the same goes for LinkedIn and Facebook. I think the difference is when we're talking about dating apps is we know that you are in the dating app to to meet people you don't know. And in that case, I would really caution people who the person they're talking to seems to be really insistent on showing off a wealthy lifestyle or certainly obviously any talk of investment strategy or cryptocurrency to be a red flag. I just want to remind our audience, we're talking to Erin West, Deputy District Attorney in Santa Clara County. She is an expert in uh, sim swapping investigations as well as pig butchering. And uh, Erin, I want to ask you another question. The other thing that concerns me here is I've done a lot of investigations when I was in law enforcement and, and also in the private sector now with romance scams. Romance scams, you know, I talk about a grooming period and sometimes it's months and years that they're communicating with somebody on a romance scam before they either hit them up for money or get them to be a money mule. 
But what scares me about this crime is how rapid that they make a connection. I've heard a lot of these cases within 30 days or so. They're, you know, giving them all their uh, 401 life savings, everything over. I mean, are you seeing that as well? I sure am. And I think that is really a scary part of this. Um, You're right. It's not a drawn out thing. But what's happening in those 30 days is love bombing and really targeted techniques to get in the heads of these victims and really lead them to believe that they're in this really special relationship. And I think that's what makes it so scary. You're right. It's quick and um, relatively quick. And it's quick in terms of from the day of the meeting to the day that you have lost every penny you have. And I think that's one of the differences about these versus traditional romance scams is that they are designed to not stop until they've taken every last penny. And what we've seen in the past few weeks or months is that now there's a real movement to have you liquidate real estate and take the money out of real estate. So now our victims, you know, you see that at least they were left with their house and now they're finding, gosh, they've sold their house to use this money and now they're homeless and they've, they've lost literally everything. So, yeah. Aaron, uh, you know, what I, I find interesting, too, is if, if we know some of the people that are playing the roles to scam the victims are human trafficked, they're probably putting on their best acting skills to get every single penny out of this person because they're a victim themselves and they're trying to get out of this and obtain freedom. Is that possible? Or? Yeah. And I think that's what's so sad about it, because I've seen transcripts of the conversations between the scammers and their victims. And, you know, they really are tremendous actors. And I, I remember one of them where the victim says, you know, if, if you're misleading me, I will commit suicide if I lose this money. And then the scammer says, trust me, this message is 100% accurate. And so I, I was left thinking, you are either the coldest, most inhumane person I've ever heard of, or wow, you must really be in fear for your life. And um, because you can't imagine humans doing this to each other. But that's what we're seeing. Yeah, Aaron, can I ask you to, you know, go along with the romance scam. A lot of times these victims of a romance scam lose all their money and they become money mules. Do you see that in this type of scam with the pig butchering where the person that has made contact with them has them become a money mule by accepting cryptocurrency transactions and then them forward it on to somebody else. you see that at all? Yeah, you know, we haven't seen it so much because what we've really seen is all the money going offshore immediately. So it's not the traditional situation where we're seeing um, U.S. victims now holding crypto accounts and moving it through them. We haven't really seen that much of it. What we definitely have seen is a ton of money mules in Southeast Asia that are assisting with moving the money. And I'm not sure what the hold is they have over the money mules or whether it's just the ability to earn quick money. So, Aaron, you, you brought up uh, China. So do, do we have any evidence that this is organized uh, criminal groups? Is it state sponsored? And then when this started moving to other areas of the country, is it the same organizations that are involved in this and they're just uh, moving it to a different location? We don't have any reason to believe it's state-sponsored. What we do know is that it's happening in certain areas of Cambodia, and we know who owns the property in those certain areas, and we know them to be associated with Chinese triad, with Chinese organized crime syndicates. 
We know in Myanmar, these compounds are located in Chinese special economic zones, and we know who owns those zones or who is responsible for those zones. And we know that those suspects have been associated with Chinese organized crime. So what they're doing is they're operating in places where they are able to buy influence or that they that they are operating in a lawless country where they are not facing a lot of opposition from the inside of the country. So what we're seeing in the growth is we're seeing now expansion to other countries where they might also be able to buy influence. And I think that's what's scary to see is the expansion. And for me, as someone who has been monitoring this closely for the past year and a half, to see this phenomenon getting larger and larger without much resistance from the rest of the world is a very scary thing to see. Erin, you're such an expert on pig butchering scams. Uh, If I could ask you, what other scams are you seeing right now? One of the ones we're seeing a lot of is, is a traditional scam that we've all seen before, but now instead of gift cards, they are sending the victims to Bitcoin ATMs. And what we're seeing is those generally um, are the ones that are, that are they're using the elderly for that. And it's a traditional, anything that you can think of that would motivate an elderly person to move money. It's some of the pop-up scams we've seen before. Like, you know, there's a pop-up on their computer. They make a phone call and they are led to believe that their money is uh, in danger and they need to withdraw it all from one banking institution and move it into cryptocurrency. And what we're seeing is that they are being counseled in how to tell the bank that they need this money and how to make these withdrawals to not arouse suspicion in the bank. And then what we're seeing is that these seniors are being led to Bitcoin ATMs located inside liquor stores and bodegas, and that they're $100 at a time moving their entire fortune into these Bitcoin ATMs to have that money moved overseas. So... I think what's frightening with these Bitcoin situations is that it exponentially raises the amount of money that can be moved. I mean, traditionally, you weren't going to have a victim go and buy $300,000 worth of gift cards, but it's not that difficult to have them over time move $300,000 into a Bitcoin ATM. So that's what we're seeing. And this is definitely happening with our seniors. Yeah, not too long ago, I interviewed a uh, victim uh, with law enforcement, and it took around 20 minutes uh, for her to, you know, tell the truth. And, you know, she tried to stick to a story that the fraudster gave her, and, uh, you know, but over time, after talking with her, she eventually admitted that she was involved in a romance scam, went to an ATM Bitcoin machine, and he had her going to different ATM Bitcoin machines because he didn't want her doing too many transactions at once and yep. move it around, and, and uh, you know, it also did gift cards as well. But this this victim was convinced that she was in love and, you know, and that everything that was uh, she was doing was legitimate. At the mention, too, that uh, postal inspectors had a case in the Chicago area, same thing in an ATM Bitcoin machine, that uh, the person was using it so frequently that they had a chair there at the ATM where she could oh sit. Oh, my God. She's, that's horrible. Oh, man. Yeah, but what you're saying is absolutely accurate, and it's so interesting to those of us who are hearing this, that like these victims are so manipulated that they really, really believe this. And it takes a long time to 
help get them out of this trance that the uh, the scammers have put them in. So, Aaron, what we love about this podcast is that we bring on subject matter experts and they could give us the latest and best information to hopefully avoid becoming a victim. So uh, I want to ask you and if you could give our audience what you believe are the top three tips or uh, warning signs to avoid being a victim of pig butchering. You bet. I think that it's important to think about how you are being contacted and that Victims should be aware, generally, and wary of people who are contacting them online. And that, you know, if we're meeting people in person, we're pretty good about sizing them up and assessing them. And sometimes online, someone just drops into our life. And what's happening is we're seeing victims be accepting of those people. So I would caution people to be wary of people who just show up online for you. And along those lines, um, we talked a little bit about love bombing. And I would say that what that is, is in the way that these people who are showing up in your life are treating you, they're treating you in a way that is a fast track to a relationship that isn't really consistent with how normal people behave and how a first date or a second date may go. What these scammers are doing is moving at a really accelerated pace to develop this fictitious relationship, and they are doing something called love bombing, which is using language early on that is lovey and good night, sweetheart, and good morning, angel, and things like that that can be really appealing to someone who's feeling lonely, but are really inappropriate based on the, the lack of knowledge of that person and the speed at which it's happening. Another tip I would give is that, and you've said it, you guys have said it on here, if something is too good to be true, it is. When you are being pitched investment opportunity that A, you're not familiar with at all, like cryptocurrency, and B, is promising astronomic returns, you really need to vet it carefully. It's unreasonable to expect that this person that you just met 30 days ago would have access to information that could lead you to become a millionaire overnight. It really calls for a step back and an evaluation of what this information is. And finally, the last thing I would say is that in pig butchering and in every other online scam, these scammers are going to play on urgency. They are going to play on the idea that stuff needs to be done right away, that you'll miss out if you don't do this right now. And just like any other opportunity, Take a step back and really vet it and think about it and think about, is this as urgent of a situation as you are being led to believe? You know, it all boils down to just caution and caution with people you don't know and investment schemes you're not familiar with. It's smart these days to be overly skeptical. Aaron, those are great tips for our listeners. And we want to put them in the show notes. You think you could distill them down just a little so we could put three good bullet points right into our show notes? You bet. So I think the overarching theme here is caution, and it's caution with people you meet online, caution with people that are accelerating the relationship too quickly, and caution when financial decisions need to be made urgently. Erin, that was awesome. We're going to put those tips in our uh, show notes, so thank you very much. Aaron, listen, thank you for coming on to the show. We're so happy that you came on to the podcast. Love to get you back again. You really gave our audience a great 
definition of this scam and some incredible tips to be watchful for so they don't fall for it. It was really my pleasure. I love the opportunities to educate about pig butchering, and you guys were a delight. Thank you. Yeah, and Aaron, I just want to go back to what you said earlier about prevention, and it does take a team. It takes partnership. Like you mentioned, we need to get the banks involved, financial institutions. We need to get the media involved, law enforcement. We need to all work together to uh, stop this scam because, like you said, the way you've talked today, this scam is unbelievable. A lot of innocent people are losing money, and we need to all work together to stop this scam. I agree 100%. This is the kind of crime that's going to require all of us to work together. So, yes, teamwork. So, Aaron, we, uh, Mike and I and our producer, uh, Doug Taylor, were talking before the show about this. And, you know, Mike volunteered that he thought I was the perfect pig butchering victim. And I was like, what? I don't have any money, no life savings. And he's like, yeah, but he says, you know, the, the suspects like to fatten you up before they uh, defraud you. And I'm like... So what are you trying to say? And he goes, well, you've been putting on a couple of pounds, you know? And I'm like, oh, jeez. That's no, not right. It's, Did it's I not say right. that? Well, Mike, I have no money. I have no money. So they, I wouldn't be a good victim, I'm telling you. I might have put on a couple extra pounds. But in all seriousness uh, to our audience, though, like I said, you know, we've been doing the show for, uh, you know, close to two years. and. Right. You have to bring a little levity to these type of situations, but in no way am I saying this is not a serious uh, crime. And, and like I said, there there are so many victims out there. So please, um, you know, if you are a victim, go to law enforcement and report it. If you think you're in a relationship that is heading down that, talk to people. Go to your local police department. Talk to family members. Uh, you could call the AARP Fraud Watch Network, you know, 24 hours. I mean, so please, you know, talk to somebody and don't give away hard-earned money that you've saved all your life. And Aaron, like you said about partnering, everybody working together, you know, our organization, the International Association of Financial Crimes Investigators, we're trying to do our part. And the podcast, IFCI Presents, The Protectors, is just one small part. We're trying to get the word out on all these various scams and frauds that are out there. So we're hoping we're helping to educate the public ourselves. Fantastic. All right, Mike. Well, I think that is a wrap. We had another great podcast awesome, man. Awesome. with another incredible guest speaker. Uh, thank you, Aaron West. You are awesome. And keep fighting the good fight. So, Mike, you know, you nailed it last week. We're going to give you a, a two for two here. Let's see if you can do it. Where can our audience find our podcast? Well, uh, you can go to Spotify, Apple Music, or I'm just going to go wherever you listen to podcasts. You could find us there. I have said presents to protectors. We are there. We want to educate our listeners. We have great listeners. Mark, where would somebody go if they wanted to make a comment or they had a suggestion on a future speaker or guest? Where would they go? Well, Mike, they could send us an email to IAFCI Protectors Podcast at gmail.com. Love to hear your thoughts. If you have a topic you want to learn more about when it comes to fraud or cybercrime, shoot us a quick email. Uh, or if you want to be a guest on the show, reach out to us uh, on that email and we'll get back to you. So, Mike, it's time to wrap up another podcast. I'm going to be signing off. I'm Mark Solomon from Connecticut. And this is Mike Carroll from Chicago. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. Remember, as you join the fight to protect our citizens, you're not alone. With more than 6,500 members from around the world, the men and women of the IAFCI are standing together with you. 
To learn more or to join the IAFCI, please visit our website at www.iafci.org. The Protectors Podcast is produced by Modified Media and is available for free wherever you listen to podcasts. The hosts and guest opinions are their own and do not reflect those of management, employers, or sponsors. Listeners are encouraged to contact law enforcement if they suspect being a victim of a crime.